You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. I want to work with people who are like, this is the only place I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to work with people who are like, I am here because it is like deeply meaningful for me. I don't want to work with people that are like doing me a favor or who are doing it because they think it's going to be like a step up. And it's like, I want to work with people who are like, you know, dying to be in the room as much as I'm dying to be in the room, you know, and that we're all dying to like make something really extraordinary together. Welcome to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, helping you to find your edge. Hey, all you performers and creators, this is Holly Shaw, author, hypnotherapist, creativity coach, performance junkie. I don't know. I'm playing around with the title. Well, so I want you to think back to when you were just a little kid. Think back to the first experiences that you ever had on the playground as a little kid. What was that experience like for you? Did you find yourself playing with a lot of other kids? Or were you one of those kids that played off by yourself a lot? Now, if you watch a playground with a bunch of little toddlers on it, before we even have language, we gravitate towards each other. Now, granted, a lot of little kids are... (laughs) bound to grab each other's toys or hair or faces, you know, we kind of come out like little monsters a little bit, but there's this natural tendency, I think, to commune, to play with each other. And then, and then we get language and we learn that not everybody wants to share, not everybody wants to play with us. And there is this sort of abyss, I feel like, that grows between person to person as we realize ourselves as separate individuals. And then one day you find yourself on the playground, your heart open, your face shining and hopeful as you extend your hand out and ask, Will you play with me? What happens next shapes the way that you play with others throughout your whole life. As creatives, there's a limit to what we can accomplish alone. So how can we put past rejections behind us? How can we learn to take risks and learn to play again with others on the playground. The music that you are listening to comes from a very deliberate collaboration, a show called Iron Shoes, a contemporary folk opera reimagining three Eastern European fairy tales as radical stories for our times. Director and choreographer Erica Chong-shuk, composer and music director Jana Katulis, and playwright and librettist Michelle Carter collaborated with Oakland's powerhouse vocal ensemble Kitka on the playground of Shotgun Players. I had the pleasure of catching up with director and choreographer Erica Chong-shuk and talking about collaboration, 
overcoming self-doubt and how she's able to extend her hand again and again across the playground. In an interview with Deborah Cullinan, you said, I get excited when I think about creativity in terms of process, that we're not just building creative work, but that we're building creative processes. As a creativity nerd myself, I need to hear you say more about that. I just love rehearsal. <laughs> I mean, I think it comes down to that. I really love the process of making work and I love um, the people that I make work with. And I love that each project is an opportunity to dive deep into um, content that is a part of our lives. You know, that we, I think we, we work really hard and we lose a lot of sleep and and for, I think I'm always like one of my kind of criteria around making a work is like, what is worth losing sleep over? <laughs> like I'm going to lose a lot of sleep over this. I'm not going to be able to see my kid as much as I want to. It's going to be, it's, it's a lot. And so what, what is worth that? And um, that's great so, criteria. What is it worth <laughs> losing sleep over? Because <laughs> it's just true. It's just, yeah. I mean, you feel bitter when you lose sleep over something that you just don't care about, right? Mm. Um, and so it's, it's, and most of my life is processed because I'm a director and a choreographer. I don't, I don't perform the run. So once we hit opening night, I'm done. So my, my, the, everything that I do is, is, is process, is, is sitting in process. Yeah, you've um, talked about that too, how like the times that you had to be in a work, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't. As a choreographer myself, uh, it's hard to try to put yourself in it and then see it from the outside. It's impossible. Yeah, I think I just don't enjoy it as much. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I love, I love that moment of letting go. I love letting go. Like it's this, it's, it feels like when you take a big bag of clothes to goodwill, like that feeling of like, it's gone and it's off and it's circulating and it's moving through the world according to its own kind of whims. And I, I think that with, with, you know, work like iron shoes, it was so many, it was so many pieces to, to, to it was, a, it was a puzzle. Right. And, and if, if it really needed three of us, Janet and Michelle and I to just sit on the outside and really like understand what, you know, what the puzzle pieces were, how they were flirting. I saw your production, Iron Shoes, that you collaborated with, and I just was blown away. That was such a feat of sound and story and movement. And so I just really wanted to hear about how you were able to work together as a team to make that happen, because there's three of you sort of directing that. So can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah, well, we, so there were three very clear roles that we all took on and like a braid, we made a unit, (laughs) but I think it was pretty clear um, who was driving which um, vehicle. And we, while the, 
you know, some of my favorite processes are the ones in which you kind of forget who the director is and who the choreographer is and who the playwright is and who the composer is and who the costume designer. I just love it when, when those lines are dropped um, and we can all kind of contribute towards the overall vision of the piece. And then there's a time to like get back in your car and drive your car. So I felt like part of the thing that was so rad about working with Michelle and Janet and really the rest of the team is that they all knew how to like collaborate in the most intimate um, and productive of ways. And then we all knew when to not collaborate. So I think that that kind of um, nimbleness in terms of jumping in and out of different roles and then very clearly jumping back into your own role was really um, uh, productive for us. Fascinating. And can you tell me a little bit about the the uh, conceit or the piece of the story about the iron shoes? Like, what do you think that the iron shoes is about? One step I take. And well, I guess, what do you think the iron shoes were about? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, I, it's been a, a few months since I saw it, but I just remember thinking, wow, that's a pretty heavily loaded, potentially metaphor for women carrying a lot of weight, um, having resistance, having obstacles. And, you know, um, I guess that was where I, my head was going with it. one thing I love about about like it's poetry like I just love I love poetry and I love that that ha- that it's that that there is no right or wrong interpretation of it and I think that the one thing that I um that I really loved about the show and probably frustrated other people is that there that we were working in allegory and we were working in metaphor and we were like we were um we wanted it to be clear enough that people could kind of like not feel frustrated and lost. Right. Um, but we didn't want to kind of batten down the hatches and create a world that is like so clear that each of the metaphors is described um, <laughs> in pedantic terms. Like we wanted to just create something that felt like it could be a kind of platform for reflection. And I think that this, that the iron shoes um, imagery and like just the, the idea of that as a punishment just felt it, it's very evocative yes. and and I yeah there were several moments in this show like I remember a talk back where um there's there's a character who uh, the third girl who um has this just terrible stuff happens to her and yeah and you know she gets her arms chopped off and she is she has a baby and she has her baby strapped to her chest, like uh, an ergo or, you know, Moby wrap if you're a mom, <laughs> Moby wrap. Anyway. Um, and she had her baby strapped to her chest and she had no arms and she was so thirsty and she was like wandering around the wilderness and she had these iron shoes and she bent over a well um, to take a sip of water and her baby fell out of the of the Moby wrap and and she couldn't reach for the baby because she had no arms and so it's like this it's just an impenetrable and unsurmountable grief and 
you know, I, I, lo- I, I, I just loved that that state of being was made salient through our work together. So I felt less important that we understand like how exactly and why exactly and what exactly, but just that, you know, through the singing of Kitka, which is so like <laughs> penetrating in terms of its, you know, emotionality, yeah. that, 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 um, that, that state of being was just lifted it you know and 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 evoked and invoked (laughs) Uh, and so for me it felt like everything that we can do to just kind of bring a state of being into our state of being to just like infiltrate the senses and to shift the environment that we're all sitting in um that it feels like I'm interested in in that. And so I was just remembering a talk back where somebody was like, wait, why did they, and who was this? And how many times just like getting like, like a dramaturg asking all these kinds of, no, not, a, not like a, like a, Oh gosh. Dramaturgs are great. I love dramaturgs. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. was just like a lot of like, why, where, what, when mm-hmm. questions. Like dissecting the script. Yeah. Type. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't need, I don't want to, I don't care. Just like sit back and breathe and let like see story, what happens <laughs> yeah let the story touch you on a subconscious level almost sounds like yeah or just let the music like move your move you your molecules <laughs> yeah it definitely did so are there any plans to remount this we would love to remount it and that's something that we need to figure out we need to figure out how and we need we need help making that happen so i know that shira um, from Kitka is actively meeting with potential um, presenters uh, nationally, and we're we're hoping to find a home for it. So, if anybody listening Producers. can help us, please do. <laughs> yes, yes, and it sold out and sold out and sold out. Right? I mean, remind me, but I I remember it like it was a huge hit and it extended the run because people were talking about it. Isn't that right? It sold out during previews. And it, I mean, so we initially announced, I think, a four-week run, and then in previews, which is before the show opens, those four weeks sold out. So they kept extending it, and I don't remember seven. I can't remember if it was seven weeks. I can't remember how many weeks that it ran for, but it was it yeah. was a it was a good run. Okay, with huge, hugely great reviews too. Hey, listeners! Before you know it, 2019 will be here. And the new year is a great time to start a new habit or to break an old one. So if you are struggling with an addiction or a habit, the truth is that sometimes willpower alone isn't going to work. And I don't want you to feel stuck. I don't want you to feel frustrated. The good news is that I am accepting applications for new clients. So you can visit the performersandcreatorslab.com website and fill out an application for private coaching. And don't wait, because I don't take a lot of clients. I'm not the Walmart of hypnotherapy. But if you would like help, then I would love to help you. So visit performersandcreatorslab.com and look for that application for private coaching. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast with me, Holly Shaw. Call and leave us a voicemail at 415-870-7064. Again, that's 415-870-7064. And now we're back talking with director-choreographer Erica Chong-Shook. You've said that you that creating work 
helps you work through your own stuff. So I'm curious. <laughs> what is my stuff? Well, no, I wasn't going to be so direct. Remember, I'm a little bit more swath than that. It's like therapy. I want to tell you about my stuff, Holly. <laughs> I'm a little better. Give me some credit. <laughs> no, Maybe it's just me wanting to talk about my stuff because you're a very nice person. And I yeah, well, feel no, like I'm happy to the stuff. But my question was, um, well, thank you, um, was that, you know, that you – because I do think that this is something you see a lot with artists as we are taking our experiences in life and we're alchemizing them into something. And most of the artists I know that are actually making work are very balanced, healthy, some of the most emotionally healthy people I know on the planet because it's sort of this continuous, you know, alchemizing of our emotions and pain and to something beautiful. So I'm so I'm curious, though, for you, if there's any stories that you keep coming back to that you've retold in multiple ways. Mm. Gosh, um, I don't know if I can say that there are stories that I come back to, but I think I, I think it's like values that I come back to. Okay. Or, sure. Um, or like what? What? Can I, it's like people that I come back to, okay. you know, or like a kind of connection. I think this is what I, what I adore most about, about what I do is that the, the kinds of relationships that are established through this work are really, they're really special. And um, I, I think that those kinds of the, the kind of like desire for, for connection and the desire for community and the, the, um, that I feel like that's the thing that I keep wanting to build and, and it, and it, and the work ends up looking like a five, you know, 5,000 different things. But mm -hmm. underneath all of that is like what, what makes me feel like I want to do it again and again is like, I want to be in the room with those people again. And I want to just like, I don't know, just, be in a space where you can just kind of lay everything out on a table, like lay out all of the contrary and confusing and um, like all the contrary and confusing stuff that might be like yeah. moving through our lives. You just have space to like lay all of that out and, and to do that with people and to transform that into something, um, some kind of energy that like then moves into the world rather than just into my, Good. Yeah. And how do you, how do you like convince people to work with you? I mean, I'm just thinking like you are one of the most working, uh, you're one of my favorite choreographers in the Bay area, but oh, you're one you. of the, the, you you're hustling. I mean, like you're working a lot and creating a lot with a lot of different people. Walk me through how you sort of elicit devotion or you know get people to come along for the ride when you have an idea for a project or that's really a good idea a good question I don't know um uh how do I I ask them <laughs> or they ask me <laughs> I mean I think that people have to want to do it like I'm not going to try to convince anybody that they yeah. should do something that they don't want to do I was just talking to someone that I'm we, we 
were talking about working together on a project and he wrote me an email and said, I want to like understand more before I commit to this. Uh-huh. And I'm like, thank God that this person is not just like, yeah, I want to do it. That he's like, I have to really understand what it is that we're after before I give it my energy and my time. And I want people to put me through that vetting process. Like I don't, I, I want, I don't, I want to work with people who are like, this is the only place I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to work with people who are like, I am here because it is like deeply meaningful for me. I don't want to work with people that are like doing me a favor uh. or, or who are doing it because they think it's going to be like a step up. And it's like, I want to work with people who are like, you know, dying to be in the room as much as I'm dying to be in the room, you know, and that we're all dying to like make something really extraordinary together. So I don't think I do. I, I, w- I would in some ways would say I want to do like the opposite of trying to like cajole. Like I just right. want to talk about what I'm up to and if it is aligned and if somebody else is like, Oh, I'm into that also then I think that there's that there's opportunity there yeah I love that because it's so true right there's such a different energy when somebody's like oh sure I'll do that for you or and they just they don't collaborate they're not invested in the same way it doesn't have the same results it leaves you feeling like you're not appreciate you know like what you're doing it does it matter I don't know this person doesn't care yeah so I like it you you vet the the kids you want to play with on the playground totally (laughs) I mean I just think I'm way I'm way too like sensitive and insecure to work with anybody who's not gonna think that I'm amazing like I'm just too insecure for that and I and I, I I know myself and I know that if there's somebody in the room that's like not along for the ride I just I just I don't know how to not take it personally and feel like a terrible artist and a terrible person. So I just, (laughs) I just uh, surround myself (laughs) with folks that are like cheerleaders. You're insecure. Like, okay, I just, um, what? No. What are you still, what could you possibly, what are you still afraid of, Erica? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I mean, all the stuff that, that I that I've always been afraid of like what am I afraid of um I I my, I had I had another friend that just talked about creative process like like you said kids on the playground and he talked about it in terms of like kids coming out to play and like you don't if somebody if you're in a room and somebody's like no that's not the way to play then you're not going to want to come out and play and so I I, I think that like I I think that I respond to to just goofiness and to weirdness and to a kind of levity and I'm, I mean I, I, I work like really 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 hard and I push really 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 hard I know that I push myself I know that I like push the cast of any I know that I push the people that I work with very hard but underneath that there is a sense of there is a sense of play I think that I'm most scared that I'm not that I won't know how to play like I'm 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 scared of those situations where there where there's a playground and somebody's like looking at me and I won't know like how to hang off the monkey bars. Like I won't know how to play. I need to have somebody on the playground that's like, come on, you might fall off the monkey bars. That's cool. So I'm I'm afraid of like being in those situations where I am where I just can't hear myself. Yeah. And where I can't um where I don't trust myself. Mm. like if I'm in a space where I'm like I hear you know I where I can hear myself and follow my where I have impulses 
and I can like trust that some of them are going to be amazing and some of them are going to be shit. Like I just need to, I just need to feel like I'm in, in spaces where there's room. college I had a dance teacher who was like just do what's in your mind just close your eyes and follow your impulse like I've been lucky to uh, have around me like mentors and supporters who who have a fundamental faith that these like random images and ideas have relevance and purpose and that that, that, that are you know that there is relevance and beauty um within this kind of murky unknown <laughs> and so I, I i for the most part i feel incredibly lucky i've had a few like really hard um shows <laughs> but i won't talk about them <laughs> we want to hear a little bit about like if you're afraid of being that kid on the playground that doesn't know how to play with the monkey bars that must come from somewhere for sure. Yeah. Think the first place that came from in your life, the first time you can remember that f- sensation. That I mean, it's always, I think the, I think it's there like all of the time. I think it's there. It was, it's there every day. It's there all of the time. I think that it's, that it's, um, I don't know for me, I don't know if it's like this for other people, but it's like a constant process of, trying to trying to find confidence and getting like and losing that confidence and rebuilding it again and it's I don't know it's a constant for me it's a constant chatter I was watching this episode of Grey's Anatomy um and this um woman she like before surgery she stands up and she does superhero pose Uh uh-huh and so like I just I <laughs> I get my advice from Grey's Anatomy. Anatomy. I'm just going to do superhero pose. You get your <laughs> somatic advice from Grey's you know, Anatomy. No better place. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my next question: Is like you've learned to follow these random relevant impulses and find the relevancy and the beauty in them somehow and I mean I could tell you you're very successful at that I mean your your work is luminary and and yet you you're saying like you know I'm often insecure and I have to find a way to overcome that and find that confidence again and again and so I'm curious how do you do that how do you talk yourself through that because you're oh, talking gosh. to right now like a listener you know thousands of listeners around the world that are artists oh so fuck I thought I was just talking to you. See, that's why you're really good at your job because I'm just chatting with you and nobody else is on my mind. Um, what do I do? Oh God, if anybody has any advice, you should tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you just show up, you just walk forward. You, you like there, you know, this, the, I heard something, Maybe I read it somewhere. Anne Bogart, theater director. I, I can't yeah. remember. I, I don't know if I'm like misquoting this. Yeah, I don't know if I'm misquoting, but I think I read somewhere that if she's in a room full of actors and she doesn't quite know what she wants them to do, she just stands on one side of the room and she looks at them and she just starts walking towards them. And she trusts that like by the time she gets to them, she'll know what to say. So oftentimes I think it's just like you just put on your pants and you go outside or you... You just show up at rehearsal. And I mean, one trick that I try to do a lot with myself is I'm like, I, I, um, 
it's just a show. Like, I don't really care about it that much. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, these are just like art projects that we're making. Right. And we're just making, we're just making performances that are just going to like sit in the world for a little bit. Like it's not, it's not that important. It's, it's really not. And so so you lower the stakes for yourself. I do. I do. I do. I'm like, we're just, we're just making a play. I'm just, I'm just hanging out with these people in this studio, in this random city, wherever it is. We're just trying to make something like not end, end of story. We're just making something together. just we're all just making a show we're all just casting spells so speaking of making shows and casting spells i'm making this show here and i could use your support have you rated and reviewed and subscribed to the performers and creators lab podcast yet 2019 is quickly approaching and i need support to keep this thing going so if you love it if you like it, even if you just listen to it once in a while, go on <laughs> iTunes and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast to keep all this goodness going into next year. Yes, because I look forward to supporting you more. And now we're back playing the open channel game with choreographer Erica Chongshuk. Longing. Oh, can I can I can I tell you a story? Yeah. So I was reading a story to my son, who's five and a half. I was just, I had to explain to him what the word longing meant yesterday and it was it was um, it was just awesome because I realized he had never longed for anything like that feel except for a Lego set yeah just when you want something like when you want something so much and your whole body is like hungry when your whole body is hungry for something I think is what I said creativity I'm thinking of my mom and um, how everything that she, like every single thing that she does is creative. Like she makes cloth napkins and she, um, like the way that she slices her cucumbers, you have to slice them, like you have to slice all of the vegetables to look beautiful, (laughs) not just like hack a carrot, you know, you have to slice it on the diagonal. So I'm thinking of my mom and how everything that she does is, is creative. Nice. Playground. Yeah, right now, uh, my five-year-old, I'm just thinking of those, of like all of the amazing places that we go. I'm thinking of the playgrounds in Berlin and how the playgrounds in Germany are um, like really dangerous compared to our playgrounds here, which is awesome. Like they, there's just these huge, there's huge pits and there's just lots of concrete and everything is just like more angular. And I think that there was this study done on playgrounds and that um, 
the very smart, don't, I might, I'm going to get this wrong, but I like that I am drawing this out of who knows where, but that the German, that the German, um, uh, health insurance, um, like whatever the, whatever the kind of country's health insurance organization is, did a study and realized that if kids learn how to be really agile early on and how to avoid like getting hurt at the playground, that will make them more agile, more nimble, more capable adults, and they're less likely to like fall on a sidewalk. And so they look at playgrounds as a way to like train kids to have risky play. And when you get hurt as a child, you heal more quickly. Whereas here, we like protect our children from the possibility of injury because we're afraid of lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. So all of the playgrounds here are like supposed to be really safe. There's, you know, there are monkey bars and you're supposed to only use them in one particular way. Whereas the playgrounds in Germany are just designed so that each object can be um, played with in any number of ways. So I'm just thinking of of how... um, I wish that our playgrounds were more like the German playgrounds. <laughs> and at first when I took my kid, when my kid and I were in Berlin, I was like, oh my God, these are terribly dangerous. And then the more we played on them, I was like, he's learning how to navigate some really tricky stuff. And that um, skill is pretty darn valuable. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Collaboration. I mean, it's at the center of every, every single thing. I'm looking out my window where I have my, I have a collaboration with a rosemary plant and a tomato plant. Um, I have a collaboration with my neighbor, Ernest, who lives next door because we share a strip. I have like a collaboration in my apartment with my family. So I think I, I, I feel like it's at the center. To find out more about Erica, you can visit her on the web at Erica Chong Shook. And I'd like to thank composer Janet Katulis and Kitka's Women's Vocal Ensemble, as well as the Shotgun Players, for the very special music that you got to hear in this episode. I'd also like to thank composer Dan Cantrell for providing the title tracks for the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, as well as my producers Q Fortier and Robert Cholino. So like I said before, you know, 2019 is going to be here before you know it. And the new year is a great time to start a new habit or to break an old one. So if you are struggling, if you are looking for solutions, if you've tried everything else and nothing else has worked, then the truth is, is because sometimes willpower alone isn't going to work. And I don't want you to feel stuck or frustrated. So I want to invite you to visit performersandcreatorslab.com and fill out an application for private coaching. It's 100% free to fill out the application. And don't wait, because I don't take a lot of clients, but I would love to help you.